Welcome back to another episode of Being at Work. I'm your host, Andrea Butcher, and I'm so grateful for today's conversation. I am learning right alongside all of you. If you're like me and the HR leaders that I hang out with, you're likely challenged staying up to date with what's happening in the world of HR technology. It's overwhelming. There's so much. So fortunately for us, today's guest knows and stays on top of what's happening in the market to help organizations determine what technology they should be using and how. Phil Strazula is the founder of Select Software Reviews. But what you really need to know about Phil is that 60,000 companies used his website in the last month. He is simplifying a complex technology challenge for many business leaders, freeing up time for them to really impact their businesses in a positive way. Check it out. I am a bit of a business nerd. I started getting interested in business stuff when I was a kid. I started investing in the stock market when I was 12, went to NYU to study finance and was you know, super into that whole scene and, and worked at a venture capital firm after college doing early stage software investing into companies like LinkedIn or Pinterest or Shopify. And after a couple of years, I, I realized I really wanted to start my own business. And so I went to business school. I'd taken my GMAT when I was still in college and it was going to expire next year. I was like, I'm just going to apply for a bunch of places. I went to get my MBA. And while I was there, I taught myself how to program and just sort of started hacking on different projects, one of which turned into an HR technology company. I guess I was always kind of interested in like career paths and like, how does somebody get from point A to point B? And we built this thing that people started like sharing their stories on. And we realized it was sort of useful for employer branding stuff. And so we started selling it as an employer branding software. And then about three years ago, I hired somebody to sort of replace me on a day-to-day basis. And I've had all this free time and wanted to start another company. And I love to learn. I love to teach. And I saw that, you know, there's all these HR tools out there and there's more every week. There's tons of venture capital money going into this stuff. It's easier to start software businesses. And so the challenge of finding the right tools for your organization is just getting harder and harder. And so I said, hey, maybe I could start a website to help people kind of figure this stuff out. And that's what I do now. (laughs) And so I just spend kind of all day long understanding this marketplace. We actually have a small team now that helps me to do demos and talk to practitioners. We write it all up on our website. It's ad supported, so it's totally free. And that's my story. Wow. Who is primarily using your website? It's anybody who's buying HR technology. People tend to find us when they're looking for anything from like a new applicant tracking system or HRIS, kind of the basic stuff all the way through, hey, I want to start using AI to source or vet talent. I want to start using chatbots, recruitment marketing, people analytics, all this sort of more advanced stuff. And so we have companies on there that are huge global Fortune 500 companies. And we have like three person recruiting firms that are like, hey, what sort of sourcing tools should I use? So regardless of where you are on the technology maturity spectrum, you can find value. 100%. We have people who their job is to buy HR technology. 
And we've got people who are like, we haven't bought anything in like seven years. <laughs> and we just realized like everything we're using is super outdated. Like, please help us find our next ATS. Well, and the thing I hear since I hang out with and work with HR leaders every day is I don't even know where to start a lot of times. So that's what, when you say you're simplifying it, I mean, that's what you're doing. You're making it easy for people to find the tool that's best going to meet their needs. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we also spend a ton of time on sort of generalizable knowledge that you can use throughout your process. So how do I talk to my boss about getting budget for a new tool? How do I get cross-functional buy-in for when we implement something that maybe needs cross-functional buy-in, like employee engagement or performance management? All these other steps along the way that you need to understand at at least a high level to be as successful as you can be. Yeah, that's so helpful. So I, I have so many questions about the specifics of the site. But before we go there, let's talk a little bit more about your journey now that we've got this context. Because, you know, on this show, we talk about pivotal moments that teach us a lot about ourselves and our leadership so that each episode becomes like this leadership lesson in a way. And so I'm curious about the transition to select software reviews. You you said that you had your own HR technology business. You brought someone in to lead that business. All of a sudden you had all of this time. How did you come to determine like this was where you were going to go? What was the need or what was the problem that you were solving? When I was running my old business, the thing that I loved to do the most was I started this video series called Whiteboard Wednesdays, where every Wednesday I would just take some lesson that I learned from an HR practitioner and I would sort of synthesize it into a two minute video. I'd put it on the internet and people would, you know, like, share, subscribe, et cetera. And I, I got a lot of enjoyment from that because I felt like I was really helping the entire ecosystem. And I was kind of like, how could I make this a business at the same time as I was thinking to myself, wow, there are so many tools and every week there's more tools. And right now, the head of HR is really struggling with where do I start? How do I make a short list? Why don't I just buy it from my payroll vendor or all these other sort of pitfalls? And so I saw this sort of a problem that was getting worse and worse. And I saw something that I, I really like to do, which was to learn and to teach. And I, I looked at a couple of analogous businesses. So there's this website called The Wirecutter, which the New York Times owns now, that basically does a ton of research into B2C products. So anything from a standing desk to a vacuum cleaner to golf clubs. And then there's this other company called NerdWallet that just went public actually a couple of weeks ago. And they kind of do tons of research on finance related decisions. So credit cards, bank accounts, mortgages, stuff like that. And I was like, wow, these guys have figured out how to make a business out of sort of educating people about buying stuff. I wonder if I could do the same thing in HR software. And so there was a couple of different sort of forces that led me down this path. And then honestly, I started sort of iterating on a concept that took about 10 or 15 iterations before it actually became what it is today, which is a viable business. Wow. What was that process like? I have 15 iterations. I mean, I, I imagine there must've been a lot of challenges and frustrations within that. There was. Whenever I think about entrepreneurship, I sort of think about somebody at the middle of a hockey rink that's like shooting pucks at a goal that's like 
way down the other end of the rink. And like, you might get the puck in on your first try, but you're probably not going to do that. And there's somebody like punching you in the kidneys or something like that. Like as you <laughs> kind of go through this. It's awful. And so so you, you've got to just like kind of maintain your composure despite getting punched in the kidneys so that you can keep shooting the puck and, and hopefully keep doing it with the same amount of skill. Cause eventually, you know, you're going to get it in the net. While everyone's watching and there are people that you're trying to lead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. You're trying to like keep a smile on your face and like make it so your family's not like, what, why are you wasting your time on this again? It definitely is challenging. And there actually was a time, this is a funny story in I guess like March of 2019, I was sort of like, this is not working. I was about six months into it. I've done probably eight or nine different iterations at this point. And I was like, none of these iterations is working. I had all these domain names and hypotheses and tests. And I was like, I should just shut this down. But I just hired like three interns for the summer. And I was like, I can't just like tell these interns that they don't have an internship anymore. It's going to freak them out. So I'll just keep doing it for the summer. And it just so happened that in those following three months, we sort of figured out like how to get traffic and how to monetize it and how to start growing the website. But honestly, like without those interns coming, I don't know if we would have persisted. And when I say we, that's just like, myself. I, I I don't know why I always say we when it comes to entrepreneurship, but I, I think I probably would have given up. Wow. What a story. So they they probably believed in it. They were passionate about it. They were probably working really hard. Like, do you remember in that three-month period, like, was there a particular moment where you're like, oh my gosh, I think this is going to work? Or how, I mean, how did that all unfold? There were, <laughs> out of our four interns, I would say two of them were very like passionate and interested and, and curious. And two of them were like, I got something on my resume. You know, that's just sort of what happens with interns. But I think those two that were super into it, that that's certainly motivating. The thing that started happening is, again, I, when I started the business in October of 2018, I'd written a couple of things on applicant tracking systems, HR chatbots and employer branding software, because it was three things that I thought were pretty disparate. And I thought, hey, if I can get traction on one of these things, I'll be in good shape. And what started to happen in like May of 2019 is that we started to get traction on our HR chatbots page. People started to notice it, to share it, to go to it. And I was like, oh, wow, like people are actually going to our website now. And it was like three people a day. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't anything to write home about, but it sort of was the spark that I was like, maybe we can actually do this. And having the extra firepower of the interns over the summer, even though you know it, it wasn't anything crazy, it, it allowed us to get from three people a day on the site to like 10 people a day, which is a huge percentage growth rate. And I was kind of like, hey, maybe at this point I could actually like start monetizing this thing. And that's what we did. And we just sort of started growing from there developing playbooks and different strategies and all these teeny tiny things that helped us to kind of win in this market. Well, and then like, cause I imagine 
18, 19, like all these new technologies start coming into the market. And you're, you were talking earlier about the, the kinds of things you have on the site. And it sounds like it's everything around the employee experience, right? Applicant tracking and performance management systems and LMSs. Is that right? Yeah, we've got over 85 HR tech categories. Over 85. Wow. <laughs> yeah, just to make you feel overwhelmed. Oh my goodness. How are you organizing those categories? I organize it by the employee life cycle. So starting off at, you know, employer branding, getting into how do you source people, programmatic, career websites, applicant tracking systems, vetting candidates, onboarding, all the way through alumni, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then all the all of the different technologies, and how how are you keeping track of them? Because they they come on the market so quickly, they go off the market sometimes. We have a, a database. We try to touch base with companies on a somewhat frequent basis to understand, hey, how's the system evolved? We have a rubric for understanding businesses to figure out who we should feature and who we shouldn't, and a lot of it is around sort of my finance nerd roots and understanding the financial profile of a business, retention, et cetera, with the belief that if you've got really high retention, if you're growing really quickly, if you're profitable, those are all really good signs. And then if we can back that up by understanding your product and thinking it's really phenomenal and maybe even getting a recommendation from somebody we trust, then it's like, okay, this is something we want to feature to our audience and vice versa. Companies that are, you know, sub a million dollars of revenue or maybe don't have a very compelling product have serious gaps. They are ones that we just say, hey, you know, let's let's check back in six months, 12 months, two years, et cetera. And some of those companies have gotten on our website. It's just taken them, you know, we just added a company to rewards and recognition that I think is a great product, but they were just too small. And we don't want to send people to a company that doesn't have really good customer success or a good sales process. It's just going to be frustrating. So we just need to wait for them to mature. It's exciting. Okay. So then back to your journey. So that's helpful context. I, I'm still like just that 85 categories is still just blowing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. But back back to the story. So you're starting to get some traffic, like three people per day, but that's 20 some people a week. So you're starting to see like, okay, there's something here. And so then what? Well, then, <laughs> so I remember it was Halloween of uh, 2019, and a lot of our traffic comes through Google, through SEO. And, you know, the Google gods can be quite fickle. And <laughs> one second they love your website, the next they hate it. And I think by that point, maybe we had like 30 people a day coming to our website or something like that. And then all of a sudden on Halloween, it just dropped off a cliff. and It was down to like five again. And I remember because I was flying out to Seattle to visit a friend of mine and go to a conference. And on the plane ride, I was just like frantically like trying to understand what happened. And looking back on it, you know, as you mentioned in the intro, we're up to, we're actually up to about 60,000 companies a month that use our website. And so it's, it's sort of like a teeny tiny blip on the radar. When I look back at our analytics, it, it doesn't even show up. But at the time, it was super devastating. And it sort of, you know, gave me a lot of existential dread around Google and its ability to sort of quash our business um, if we weren't careful. And so it, it wasn't sort of all roses from there, but 
you know, when something like that happens, it just makes you sort of think really, really hard about how can we be the best resource on the internet for our reader to make the right decision, regardless of, you know, our economic incentives or anything, just like, how can we reimagine what we're doing so that is the most impactful can be? I'm struck by the calm with which you're talking through this. And I'm curious, is that just now in reflection, how you approach it? Or is that your leadership style? Like, go back to the, you you talked earlier about um, six months in thinking, gosh, maybe I should just shut this down. Was that really problematic for you? Or, or was this an experiment for you? It was somewhat of an experiment. But I think at that point, I was sort of like, if this doesn't work, I'm probably going to have to go like get a job somewhere. And I didn't want to do that. So it, it was something that was extremely stressful at the time. And my uh, significant other or my mom will tell you that like, there are, <laughs> there are many times when, when I'm like, all right, we're going out of business, you know, <laughs> or, or vice versa. And it's sort of become like a bit of a joke at this point. But <laughs> I think that like, you got to try to play your A game as much as you can. And you're not playing your A game if you're stressed out, if your brain is full of cortisol. Like you, if you look at like the, I don't know, Olympic athletes from the summer games, none of them looked like anxious and, and really like nervous. Like they get up on the, the high dive or the balance beam or whatever, and they look like they're ready to take on the world. And that's common across almost all of the 10,000 athletes that compete at the games. And I think that that's just the peak of human performance. And so even though it's really, really hard to kind of put stuff and compartmentalize it, that's what I try to do as best that I can. That's a great, that's a great analogy. I can feel that confident, like enthusiasm in taking that into the game, like whatever it is I'm doing. That's, that's a, it's a great analogy. Thanks for bringing that to life. I love that. That's really good. Well, and you were also, I mean, I, I suspect that your data-driven orientation also keeps you focused and calm. Like you've, you've talked a lot about being very metrics-driven. Like is, how does that play out in your leadership? You know, it's funny. I, I am a very metrics-driven person, probably to a fault. And I actually found probably about a year and a half ago that being too focused on metrics was driving me a little bit crazy <laughs> and was really like spiking my adrenaline and dopamine in, in ways that like just wasn't productive. In in what way? Tell me like tell me more about that. There's uh this interesting interview that this guy, Jason, who runs a company called Basecamp, gave a few years ago. I forget what podcast it was on, but basically this is like a pretty successful software business. And he said that he rarely looks at, at metrics and rarely sets goals. They just sort of focus on the stuff they can control, try to do a really good job, and it sort of takes care of itself. And he contrasted his style where he owns his entire business with friends of his that run venture-backed or private equity-backed companies where every month you've got to report to the board and if you hit your metrics, you feel really good for like six minutes and then you're like back on the treadmill. And if you don't hit them or if you're at risk of not hitting them mid-month, you feel terrible. And you're like, oh my gosh, like we're never going to get there. 
you know, this thing's going to be a failure. And that just really resonated with me. I think that for me, I was sort of like setting these like really unrealistic expectations. And then I was like stressed out. We weren't hitting them. And it's like, you own this business. You know what I mean? Like if we don't hit our quarterly goal, like you're not going to get fired. It just means you got to keep doing the things you, you can do to, to keep the ball going forward. And focusing on the metrics was making me lose focus from the stuff that we actually could do. So that was really poignant for me. There's another CEO I look up to, this guy, Chris Savage at Wistia. And it's another kind of bootstrapped, amazing software business that's probably like 30 or 40 million bucks of revenue. And I remember I had, I had lunch with him a couple of years ago and he's like a film kid that started this software business. And he doesn't really think too much about the metrics. And I was like, oh, like, you know, I think I asked him something around along the lines of like, what's your revenue? He's like, I have no idea. And I was just like, what? Like, how does this guy not know, you know, like what his revenue is? But I think that is like a superpower for him because it allows him to be creative and focus on the stuff that matters versus how do we increase revenue 4% this month, you know, and, and maybe that's a short term decision, or maybe we're just stressed about it and it doesn't allow us to do the stuff that actually will move the needle. Freeze him up. Yeah, I love that. And I love the focus on what you can control too. Well, and ultimately, I mean, you know, as a business leader, you get to choose what to focus on. So it's, it's an empowering attitude. Yeah. And that can be super scary because, you know, it's just like buying HR tech. It's like, I don't know, I can focus on 85 different categories. What do I actually do? And I think any sort of entrepreneurial role where you have a little bit of autonomy and some agency, it's the same exact thing. And uh, one of the things that actually has helped me a lot with these sorts of things, especially where I'm a solo founder, don't have a board, you know, the only other person that really cares about this, again, they're basically my mom and my fiance. (laughs) And what I do is I actually meditate a lot. And I find that that allows me to try to think with less bias. Like we're we're humans, we, we have all these like, you know, scar tissue and our preconceived notions about the world, but meditating allows you to strengthen the muscle to think in a slightly less biased way. Yeah. And to get headspace, right? I just feel like it creates space in my head whenever I quiet. That's the app that I yeah. use, headspace. Mm-hmm. Quiet the noise around me and just allow myself to be. That's great. We, we could have a whole episode around that. I wish you told me that in your intro conversation so we could have shaped it around that. That's really good. So going back to the, the website, so select software reviews. You okay? You so we've talked about how you're simplifying this complex challenge. You've got 85 categories of technology. So how will I use the site if I'm an HR leader and there's you know I, I don't even you know that what we talked about earlier. I don't even know where to start. Take talk me through how does the website help me? How how do I navigate that? The vast majority of people come to us when they've decided we're going to do X, Y, Z new thing for our HR tech stack. You know, we're going to replace our payroll system or HRS or employee engagement, whatever the case may be. And you go to one of the pages and we're like, okay, you know, we've done a lot of research. Here are the best vendors in our opinion. Here's why we think they're good. Pricing info, all this stuff you kind of need to know before you talk to these vendors in addition to questions you should ask when you do talk to them. How do you get the budget? How do you think about ROI, et cetera? And so I think the vast majority of people come 
at that phase of the journey. And then I think other people come because they're like, I want to learn how to buy HR tech. And so I'm going to like take this like mini course on how to do that. What are the steps so that next year when we actually do go and buy XYZ new software, I'm just sort of better prepared for it. And that's really the main utility that we serve. In addition to, we do have a community where people can ask specific questions and people ask all sorts of extremely specific questions. Like, you know, I'm a staffing company focused on janitors in South Carolina and we need like this type of system. Like, what should we buy? And luckily there are a lot of smart people in this community that can answer questions like that. But it's kind of interesting the way that you frame it. It's getting my wheels turning a little bit. Like, how can I help somebody who's like, like, how do I even get started? And we should probably have a, a part on the website about that because we have scattered content. Like, how do I do a tech audit of my existing stuff? How do I free up budget? How do I do this? But we don't really have like a, hey, I'm just like trying to figure this thing out. Like, what do I do sort of section? Well, but it kind of falls into your education. I mean, I, and, and I, I see you on LinkedIn putting out a lot of content around, I mean, I would frame it like just being a technology steward for the business, like given the business needs and the business demands, like really thinking strategically about what is your business need. That's a big thing that we try to push is doing everything in the context of the broader business and calculating a return on investment in a way that I always joke about this like, cold-hearted CFO would appreciate, you know, somebody who just cares about money and nothing else. And I think that a lot of people in HR care about humans, you know, like like we focus on like a better candidate experience, a better employee experience, et cetera. And I just kind of try to push our industry to think about, okay, how does a better employee experience lead to dollars and cents? Because If you think in that way, you're going to have an impact in the business. You're going to get the budget for your next project that you want to do that you're passionate about. And that's one of the biggest issues when you're thought of as a cost center is people don't want to give you money. But if you start to think about things in terms of, okay, we decreased employee attrition and therefore, you know, our cost per hire went down and blah, 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 all that stuff, like you're going to do a really good job. Yeah, it's the difference between like this this technology could be really cool in our business versus like this can really drive positive change in our business. I mean, it's 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 starting with here's here's what here's the pain or the challenge in the business this is tech that the technology will solve. Yeah, because I've seen and I have fallen into it, you know, as a as a buyer of HR technology where I get really like the sexy bells and whistles of the technology. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) The demo candy. Right. So I really appreciate the education, you know, the teaching HR leaders to be technology stewards. And, and that's the thing, you know, this, I mentioned to you this next gen talent program that I lead and we do two months of technology, just given the importance of that lens for HR leaders. That's amazing. And I, so glad to hear that because I think that one of the things I'm just super passionate about is like, how do we continue to elevate people, teams, you know, HR, TA, whatever you want to call them. And I think that sort of training and focus is so essential. And if you look at the transformations that other functional areas in the enterprise have gone through 
I think marketing is probably like the best example. This is the future. It's data, it's analytics, it's technology. It's still keeping in mind the human aspects and that we're all actually people at the end of the day, but it's the leaders who are able to sort of capture the value from these other disciplines that are going to do really amazing things for their organizations as well as for themselves. Yeah, you got it. It's the combination that strengthens all. Well, it's so good. Thank you for sharing your journey. Thank you for the great work that you're doing. Tell us if we want to, because no doubt listeners are going to want to follow you. I referenced the great content you're putting out. So where can they find you, follow you, and where can they find the website? So the easiest way to find me is on LinkedIn, Phil Strazula with two Zs and two Ls. I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, and then, of course, if you're looking to do research about HR tech, if you have questions, you can go to selectsoftwarereviews.com. We've got a community. We've got a lot of information on there that we update on a daily basis. We have a, a whole team that is constantly trying to stay on top of what's next in this market to make us the best website to do this sort of research. Well, and it would take a team to stay on top of it because it's a lot. So thank you. I mean, it's such a service to our profession. I'm so grateful for what you're doing. Thanks for being here. Thanks for teaching us. Thanks for having me. I, I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.